If you touch the throw, you got to go. Hello, my name is Will and this is Exploding Golf Cart, the only podcast in the world celebrating films where golf carts explode. Now, there are few genres that are as dangerous to navigate as the spoof movie. For every airplane or Shaun of the Dead, there's a dozen Meet the Spartans or Scary Movie Fives. In fact, the hits to misses ratio has got so bad that whenever you have reason to watch another entry in this genre, it feels a bit like you're playing Russian roulette. And after watching rom-com spoof date movie, you may actively welcome a bullet to the head. So on this show, we're taking a rather nervous look at Undercover Brother, which seeks to poke fun at the exploitation and spy film genres. And talking of experiences which you fear are going to turn into a bad joke, my guest today, once again, is Nick Rehack from French Toast Sunday. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing very well, Will. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, given uh, given the circumstances that uh, that we are living in as a uh, global population at the moment. But uh, yeah. probably best we don't go down uh, that particularly uh, dark uh, rabbit hole. So uh, exploding golf cart, I like to think, is uh, is a respite from all that is going on in the world. And uh, you know, naturally, because of the uh, the the theme of this uh, particular podcast, I wanted to ask you, as my guest on this show, what is your relationship with uh, golf? and you know films that feature or films films that are about golf i mean outside of happy gilmore and caddyshack i got nothing i don't watch golf (laughs) uh i can appreciate people that do i understand you know it's a joy for them they track the stats they track the guys and pars and other i mean i'll play mini golf don't get me wrong i will i will you know crush a couple holes of mini golf with you know the statues and and plaster casts and stuff but i genuinely don't see the appeal i don't know what's so great about it i love watching them ride the carts i think the hats are cool but that's about it so you're sort of in the that camp of people who uh, consider golf basically a way of uh, spoiling a nice walk yeah yeah pretty much i mean what's the sense of knocking a ball around and chasing after it when you can be bird watching or you could just <laughs> i don't know enjoy the day or sit down and take a couple breaths of you know fresh air coming off of some good looking trees like i i don't know just anything's better to me anything's better than that and they're expensive you ever been to the store and look how expensive golf clubs are it's not cheap it's a phenomenally expensive uh, game, both in terms of the the equipment and uh, just getting some uh, time out on the course. It's uh, yeah, it's a game that uh, makes no pretense about uh, wanting to uh, keep out the hoi polloi. Yeah, and it's just it feels like like a like an old man's club. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're getting some younger blood in there with your Jordan Spieths and things, but. I just don't get it. I feel like it's a. I feel like it's gonna die off, and we're gonna one day wonder like, hey, what was this sport? We're gonna find a club and go, oh, let's reinvent it. And it's like, no, no. I'd rather see Tiger on a mini golf course than I would a bunch of fields in Georgia. Well, maybe that is a future that awaits us. Uh, you know, perhaps not very far from now. But uh, luckily for you, Nick, the uh, the film that we're talking about today it does feature some golf, but is not strictly about golf so uh, i think you've had a bit of a lucky break on this particular episode of uh, exploding golf carts so uh, i think it's time we uh, teed off our discussion of uh, undercover brother so while nick and i head over to the first hole why don't you take a listen to the trailer he's cool under pressure and always in control one brother who works undercover. Whoa! 
It ain't no thing. But when a dangerous criminal needs to be stopped... Get me undercover, brother! He's the one to call. Welcome to the brotherhood. Blackness confirmed. You got so. His mission, to infiltrate the enemy. It's gonna be a very dangerous assignment. You're gonna have to think and act just like an uptight white man with a country club membership. May I help you? Jackson. Anton Jackson. And no, I'm not one of the Jackson Bods. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to unleash our secret weapon. Wow. I call it black man's kryptonite. <laughs> what the hell? Penelope Snow, would you like to be my friend? <laughs> what are you doing with that girl? Nothing relaxes a brother after a hard day of going undercover like a little piece of... No, he's taking it to the streets. And taking it to the sheets. What happened to you? He had sex with a white girl, that's what. So, Undercover Brother is set in a world where African-American pop culture has been in decline since the 1980s. This is all due to the efforts of a mysterious figure known only as The Man. The plot hinges on General Bootwell, a black American general who's expected to stand for president. But when he suddenly renounces politics to open a fried chicken franchise, Undercover Brother detects the sinister, unseen work of The Man. The titular hero teams up with a secret organization called the Brotherhood to stop the man's plot against black America. In the cast, we have Eddie Griffin, Billy D. Williams, Dave Chappelle, Denise Richards and Doogie Howser himself, Neil Patrick Harris. Undercover Brother came out in 2002. It has a 5.8 rating on uh, IMDb and a 64% audience rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So with all that out the way, let's find out what my guests thought. So, uh, Nick, what did you make of Undercover Brother? Uh, It was fun. It's really like kind of campy, goofy fun. I saw this once before, and when you brought the opportunity for me to see it again, I'm like, good. You know what? I haven't seen it in a while. This gives me a reason, and I don't remember anything that happened. I remember it, obviously, because I just saw it, but I thought, like, oh, this is going to be in here. It's not going to be in there, and it's just completely the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. A lot more cheesy, and I feel at times it felt a little bit like the Naked Gun films or like an airplane kind of thing. That's not a bad thing, though, is it? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I just wasn't expecting that level of like goofy, absurd comedy. Uh, and it really towed that line of the goofy, absurd and like a exploitation film, which I thought was kind of fun. But then obviously a couple years later, Black Dynamite comes out and just completely capitalizes and becomes like the comedy exploitation film. So it's really hard to think of this movie and not immediately think of Black Dynamite. Mm. But even though this one did come out first, so I wonder if this one kind of paved the way for films like Black Dynamite or Pootie Tang or things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very natural reference point, Black Dynamite, um, if you watch this film, because I actually think there's quite a large chunk of the plot of Undercover Brother is very similar to the the plot that you get in uh, Black Dynamite. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, essentially this whole idea of black Americans being drugged through um, something that they commonly eat or in Black Dynamite, Mm -hmm. it's something that they commonly drink with the the legendary Anaconda uh, malt liquor. 
um, <laughs> there by uh, poisoning that to uh, reduce the uh, African-Americans uh, sort of male member size. But um, yeah, I mean, coming back to um, Undercover Brother, though, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought that it had uh, a really good blend of visual gags. It also has some slapsticky elements, I guess. But alongside that, it also has like some sharper satirical content in there. And this film, kind of going into it, I just assumed that it was going to be more at the broader end of the spectrum but actually I was really pleasantly surprised by just how much cutting wit that there was in there um good example of that is early on in the film there's, there's quite a good uh, gag uh, around uh, OJ Simpson which I thought was, was was very funny which really made me laugh and you know I wasn't really expecting that kind of sharper end of uh, humor here so I thought that this film covered a lot of comedic bases And what's interesting, too, is a lot of it still relevant today. Like a lot of these jokes still land really well. And I think that adds to its longevity. And, yeah, some of it doesn't hit and some of it's like, oh, you can't really can't really do that in today's culture. But overall, like it still makes itself relevant, even though it's what, 18 years later. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, because as I was watching this film, I was thinking this is nearly 20 years old and, you know, most of the jokes still land really well. And, you know, a little while back, I uh, rewatched um, a couple of the Austin Powers movies and those films, mm-hmm. I don't think, have dated very well at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed them at the time. Uh, but when I was, when I went back and rewatched them, I was like, man, this is not a well. What? What? I was clearly a very different person when the first time round I watched these movies. Whereas this film, as we're saying, it's it's 20 years old and most of the jokes still land. And I think that's um, that's a testament to some quality joke writing. Yeah, because you can have something like an airplane or a blazing saddles where you have context clues of the time when it came out. So you can understand some of the jokes and references they make. And some of it is just timeless comedy. But then you have stuff like this or you have, like you mentioned earlier, the scary movie franchises or the blank movie where a lot of it's like pop culture at the time. So it becomes this weird time capsule that unless you were there at that moment. It's not really funny. And then even like you, when you're looking back on it kind of nostalgic, it's like, oh, okay. You don't laugh so much as just acknowledge, oh, okay, that's a joke. (laughs) Or, oh, yeah, that was the thing. I can't believe. So, yeah. Mm. So how well do you think this film did in sending up the espionage and blaxploitation uh, genres? I think it did really well. I haven't delved as deep into blaxploitation as I would have liked to. But as far as the espionage, I recently watched all of the Pierce Brosnan and James Bond films for a lamb cast. So having that fresh in my mind and then seeing this, like it really worked. And I've noticed it's nice to see a, a spy type film where there's a real team going. Uh, there's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle rather than just have like somebody they report to and a gadget person. There's all different types of people. Like I love Dave Chappelle's The Conspiracy Brother and really <laughs> – Like, all he does is just these absurd conspiracies. You have the chief, you have smart brother, sister girl, like, you have all these different pieces, and they all do something. They're not just Mm. there for the, I mean, Conspiracy Brothers is just there for the jokes, but everybody has a little something that they can contribute, and even then their parts are a bit of a send-up. So, it's nice to see all that. Yeah, I mean, I think probably this is actually more of a, uh, an espionage spoof than it is a black exploitation spoof. I, I think if you want a black exploitation spoof, I think Black Dynamite is the film that absolutely has like nailed that particular kind of uh, you know genre. But I think yeah, well I think this film is, is kind of dressed in that black exploitation dressing, but 
really, it, I, I think a, a lot of the a lot of the gags, a lot of the humour, a lot of the plot is essentially about spoofing um, the espionage uh, genre. Absolutely, and like we said, they absolutely nail it, and it's it just it just works in a weird way. And you know, it's funny. The more I talk about it, the more I kind of like it more than what I initially said at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> like, it just it works. And it shouldn't like in it shouldn't work. It should be terrible and lambasted. But in some parts are like I think uh, Chris Kattan is a real weak point, unfortunately, because I do like Chris Kattan. Mm. But it's just I don't know. It just works. It just works. What what then for you were the standout moments? I think the standout moment is just Eddie Griffin. I think he's obviously anytime he's on the screen, he just owns it. He's funny. He's obviously charismatic in the role, but. Uh, I love Dave Chappelle as well. I mean, anything he does, I'm a fan of. So to see him as Conspiracy Brother was great. It's interesting, too, to see him. I feel like anytime he's done a film role, he's always like this hyper-extended version of himself. He's not really grounded and down-to-earth. And it's funny, too, because he talks about being, uh, you know, the stereotypical character in like a rom-com kind of thing. And then he's later on in his career became that stereotypical character in a rom-com when he was in You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks and uh, Meg Ryan. So I thought that was like a weird, <laughs> uh, weird thing to mention. But yeah, I, I just, the cast as a whole is great. Like even Denise Richards, like she does really well in this film, unlike other films that she's been in. But I think, I think we could have had a better villain. Like I wish we would have had a better reveal of who the man was. Mm. Um, Chris Kattan does a lot of the heavy lifting on the villain side, but it just comes off as like almost childish. Like kind of middle school level or secondary school level like humor, and I'm like, uh, I want something a little more. Like if if that would have been stronger and they would have had some real stakes at hand, I think this could have been a much better received film than what it was. Yeah, he gets. I I, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's sort of the the kind of gags and jokes that he get are you know as very much that sort of. I guess we'd call it sixth form of humour here in the in the UK. He he doesn't get any of the kind of sharper gags that some of the other characters get. But you know, I think there are a lot of um for me there are a lot of sort of standout scenes in this film. Um, again, I agree with you. I thought that um, Denise Richards she was really good in this in this film. Like her character, um, she plays um oh what's 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 her character called? It's like white white witch. she devil white she devil <laughs> yeah like uh, so she's she plays white she devil is uh, or as one of the uh, one of the other characters describes her uh, in this film she's the sort of black man's kryptonite because she's this uh, sort of uh, incredibly attractive uh, you know uh, blonde woman who just uh, uh, you know sort of sends uh, you know undercover brother into a sort of you know a a dribbling dribbling uh fool of uh of kind of uh of lust um and then um there was a scene right at the uh right at the end of this movie where uh you know i won't necessarily spoil all the lines but uh, uh it was right near the end of this movie where uh somebody says the line oh you know behind every black man and then the kind of like a group of the everyone sort of chimes in with uh with a kind of like uh behind every black man there's what well, probable cause or you know something you know some other kind of uh you know and I thought a lot of those lines there were very were very sharp and uh, that that was a good uh, that was a sort of very well written scene. Yeah, that killed me. And that's one of those things where the jokes, it's still relevant today. Mm. Uh, and like you said, it makes it sharp and it makes it pointed. And it's it's also kind of a shame that those jokes are still relevant and still land. It's it's a shame that it's like, oh, actually, it's gotten better. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't, especially here in the States. 
<laughs> but then there's a, there was another there was another really good joke that I enjoyed, which was at, at the completely other end of the spectrum, which is just a sort of you know throwaway nonsense gag where you see Eddie Griffin, he sort of fights does some martial arts fighting with um sort of three um goons and then we see him throw one to the floor and then he it we're meant to believe like is stamping down on his neck with his foot and we can hear this you know horrible sort of crackling sound which we assume are he must be you know snapping the vertebrae of this guy's like neck and then the camera cuts down and we just see that uh, he's uh, stamping on a packet of crisps and uh, the, yeah. the, the goon just says i just bought those and, yeah <laughs> and it's just it's... <laughs> it's just so well played but it's such yeah. a, it's just a silly such such a silly joke but it's so well played that uh, you know you can't help but laugh at it yeah and that's one of those jokes where again like it it lands like an airplane joke um whereas the one when uh, towards the end spoilers when uh Neil Patrick Harris's character literally rips hearts and spines out uh <laughs> <laughs> it's funny at first, but then I feel like the more you watch it, the more it would kind of fall into that like middle school Chris Kattan type humor. Mm. I mean, I'm assuming the joke of that particular scene is that you know we just don't expect that of Neil Patrick Harris. He's he's right. Is that that is that the joke? Because I I mean I know he is Doogie Howser, but I don't I I'm not aware of his other work and his I'm not aware of his wider perception within um, kind of in a popular culture yeah it's always been uh i don't want soft isn't the word but he's always just been like real friendly and charming and charismatic like goofy he's never been a dark spiteful or any kind of like there's been no negative connotation yeah. with him or the characters that he's portrayed um even when he did like count olaf in a series of unfortunate events it's always been like kind of goofy and not really menacing um the only I guess the weirdest he's ever gotten or the most uh, – I can't think of the word, but he was in uh, Gone Girl. Yeah. And he played a, a creepy kind of guy, and it didn't obviously work out for his character in the end. But <laughs> for the overall, he tends to be a nicer kind of yeah. guy. But I guess that was almost sort of like stunt casting, I guess, with his appearance then in, in Gone Girl because he's playing completely against type. And I guess that exactly, he- that yeah. heightens the either the, the sort of controlling um, and sinister aspects of the, the, of the character that he was uh, portraying in uh, in that particular movie. But uh, Exactly. And even though he's like kind of a creep and stuff, like he's still a good person. Like he's still like one of the nicer people in, in that film. Like <laughs> it's weird how that works. <laughs> So how do you think uh, Undercover Brother stacks up against other genre spoof movies? I think it's up there. The more I think about it, and especially with this rewatch, I think it's it might not be the upper echelons, but I, I would comfortably say it cracks the top ten. Yeah, I mean, I think I would I would back you up on that because I was, you know, had a before we did this podcast, I had a sort of list of, you know, the had a look at the list of the highest sort of ranked spoof movies on on IMDb and you know, I, I had a look through the sort of top 30 and I, you know, saw a lot of films on there. And I was thinking, you know what, that that isn't that good. And this is actually mm-hmm. funnier than them. And I, I would, um, you know, I reckon I'd probably put this in the top 10, top 15 for sure, because things like Black Dynamite, I think is a great film. Um, you know, Airplane, I, I mm-hmm. do, th- mm-hmm. 
you know, I was a bit surprised, actually, that um, I don't know where it, I might have to go back and have a look at that list. But, uh, you know, I didn't see it in the top 30. And I, I think that's a bit of a, frankly, oversight, given some of the other stuff that was uh, getting listed there. I think so. And I think, I mean, maybe I'm being really bold here, but we could see an undercover brother resurgence. I mean, there was actually an undercover brother, two that came out last year, mm. weirdly enough, starring Michael Jai White, who yes. was the lead in Black Dynamite. And I saw that. I'm like, wait, what? And I almost watched that over undercover <laughs> brother. But I was like, no, no, no. Let me stick to the task at hand. But I'm genuinely interested to see what this movie is about. I think we've uh, finished the front nine of this podcast. So uh, before we start uh, playing our way back to the clubhouse, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be looking at the exploding golf cart action. In a world where podcasts already seem to address every imaginable subject, one man broke new ground with seemingly random obsession about exploding helicopters in movies. He was a podcaster on the edge. A maverick broadcaster who played by his own rules. Now, he has a last chance to talk about the strange way helicopters explode in film. Exploding Helicopter. Available on iTunes and Podomatic now. Think you know about jumper fireballs? Think again. We're back, and now we're looking at the exploding golf cart action. This occurs during an undercover surveillance mission. Undercover brother and sister girl infiltrate the grounds of a golf course in disguise to follow up on a lead in their search for the man. When their undercover operation is exposed, they jump into a golf cart to try and make their escape. They're pursued by two security guards uh, in another golf cart. Uh, to stop the chase, our hero UB throws some golf tees onto the ground. The pursuing golf cart punctures a tire when it runs over them. This sends the battery-powered vehicle crashing into a gas main. There's a momentary pause before there's a huge explosion. So, uh, Nick, what did you make of the exploding golf cart action? Did it uh, did it finish top of the leaderboard, or uh, did it miss the cut for you? Oh, it was absolutely top of the leaderboard. And what I liked most is, unlike most exploding uh, golf carts where we get them towards the end of the film, they tend to be a big centerpiece. This was nice and early in the film. And it kind of got me excited for more of the action, more of the explosions later. Fortunately, that didn't happen explosion-wise, but at least we still got uh, some action later on. But I really enjoyed it. It's been a long time since I've seen a race with golf carts, so that was fun. But the explosion was definitely the cherry on top. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed the uh, the lead up to the explosion myself. I thought, you know, it's always good to see, you know, two uh, golf carts in a low speed pursuit. And you certainly get your money's worth of uh, that in, in this particular movie. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a nice touch to use the golf tees um, as a way of uh, puncturing the tires of the, the pursuing uh, vehicle, you know, ties it back into that uh, golf course theme that we like so much. And uh, I. Uh, there was a little uh, uh, particular uh, innovation that I uh, appreciated um, with the explosion of the golf cart was that uh, after it crashes uh, into the gas main, there's there's actually quite a sort of considerable pause before the whole uh, vehicle explodes. And uh, they say anticipation is half the pleasure. And uh, I think that pause was uh, was uh, really well judged because it kind of gives you that sort of, oh, OK, it's going to explode. Surely it's going to explode. Or maybe it isn't. Oh, and then it does. And, you know, I thought that that just heightened the pleasure of that particular moment. 
Oh, I couldn't agree more because as soon as they get in the golf carts, you already know what's going to happen. You already know an explosion is on the way. It's just a matter of when and where. And like you said, that buildup is there. Then there's the beat, and then boom, it hits. It's almost like telling a good joke where you got the setup, you wait a second, and punchline. It's all about timing, and they nailed it just right. And it makes you wonder why, um, you know, a lot more filmmakers who make these, uh, you know, golfing movies aren't exploiting the opportunities around exploding golf carts. I mean, you know, Legend of Bag of Vance. I mean, there's only so much exploration <laughs> of, a, you know, man's <laughs> inner life and his purpose in this world that I want to see if there isn't an exploding golf cart at some point. Absolutely. I mean, how Caddyshack, a massive golf comedy, never had anything golf cart related, be it a chase or an explosion. I mean, we're robbed. We're robbed of that. And there's no way there's no way they couldn't have slid that in there somewhere or made it a bigger part of the film like this one does. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a trope that uh, filmmakers really need to uh, spend a bit more time looking at and kind of really raise their game because I just don't think that uh, they're really, you know, getting to grips with uh, with this particular kind of phenomena yet. No, and it would make it that much more entertaining instead of, you know, Tin Cup. Who wants to see Tin Cup? I don't want to see Tin Cup. I don't even like the fact that I'm talking about Tin Cup. <laughs> But here we are because there's nothing exciting pulling you into any of these other golf films. Exactly. But, you know, if a golf cart had blown up in it, I think you'd be a lot hotter on Tin Cup. That's for sure. Oh, no, absolutely. I'd be all over Rene Russo and, and Kevin Costner, <laughs> like in a drop of a hat or in this case, in a drop of a golf tee. Couldn't have put it better myself, Nick. OK, I think it's uh, time to uh, sign our scorecards and uh, head to the 19th hole. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining me on this episode of Exploding Golf Cart. Do you want to take a minute to do some shameless plugging? Absolutely. Uh, FrenchToastSunday.com. As always, you can find myself there as well as the rest of the crew. Uh, still have podcast episodes coming out. It's been very sporadic, but we're, we're working on getting a more consistent schedule. Of course, the way things are, uh, it might even become more sporadic. We shall see what happens. I think we're going to start doing some really interesting things uh, over Skype that we hope to implement into the podcast and make things a little bit different, a little more exciting. So fingers crossed there. I'm um, on a couple of Lambcast episodes coming up, so keep your eyes out for those. Um, but you can find me there and uh, definitely check us out. Thanks a lot, Nick, and uh, thanks very much for uh, for listening. Uh, for those of you who are, uh, don't forget sharing is caring. So if you could rate, review, or retweet, you'd really be helping us out. We'll be back soon, but until then, as always, keep watching the fairways for those exploding golf carts. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.